0: Hello, welcome along to a brand new episode of the Fun Kids Science Weekly. My name's Dan, thank you for finding us. You've stumbled upon the greatest podcast in the history of the universe. Twice over. Managed to win that award twice in a row. I don't think I even entered. Uh, They must have special lasers that listen way out there in space and find all the best podcasts. Uh, In this show, we hunt out all the science secrets that are lurking in the universe. This week, we'll talk about one of the most terrifying ocean creatures you will ever see. Uh, Also, about a telescope entering two weeks of terror. And your questions are being answered, as always. This week, they're on clouds and on ears. Uh, first, let's catch up with one of our favourite geniuses on the show. If you've never heard it before, this is Professor Halleck's. He knows everything about science. He loves investigating as well. Take a listen. Professor
1: Halleck's Builds a Body is produced by Fun Kids, with support from the Welcome Trust. <laughs>
2: Hello again medical fans I'm Nurse Nanobot and it's time to join Professor Halux again as he continues his quest to build a body I'm here in his lab and it's like a car crash in a fudge factory here What a mess Enormous stacks of stethoscopes tall tanks full of test tubes and boiling vats of smelly concoctions It looks like his cleaner hasn't been back yet or maybe she's stuck under one of the piles of papers Brainbox Professor Halux is building a
1: body And he's beginning to take shape So what's the plan today, Prof? Thanks, Nurse Nanobot! Today my body's getting some marvellous hair and nice nails and Things you might think just help us look pretty But they have all sorts of jobs Tell them, Nurse, while I start getting his hair brushed out
2: Hair isn't just on your head Your eyebrows and eyelashes are hair too. In fact, you are almost totally covered in hair from head to foot. But most hairs are too fine to see. The only areas of skin that don't have hair are the soles of your feet, palms of your hands
1: and your lips. True, true. In fact, the first sign of madness, you know, is hairs on your palms. And the second sign of madness is looking for them, you know. Only joking, bet you were looking at your hands there for a second. Depending on where the hairs are, there are differing amounts. For example, there are 10,000 hairs on your head, although you lose about 100 a day when you brush your hair. So I've got a lot of hairs to line up here. Carry on, nurse. Different hairs have different jobs. On your head, thick hair
2: keeps your head and brain nice and warm. Eyelashes and eyebrows stop things from getting in your eyes. On your arms and legs the hairs stick up when you're cold to trap air underneath. Another way to keep you warm. Wherever it is, hair grows the same way. At the base of the hair is a root where cells mesh into keratin, the protein that hair is made from. This root sits in a follicle, which is a special hole in your skin, which is supplied with blood vessels and paired with a sebaceous gland to keep the hair moisturised.
1: If gets too oily, it starts to look rather greasy. Time then for a shampoo. It makes sense to be kind to your hair, as each strand is with you for up to six years. Wash it regularly and brush it to keep it tangle-free and shiny. I'm giving my body's hair a good lather now.
2: Hair comes in all sorts of colours. Blonde, black, brown, red. The colour comes from melanin, a chemical that makes hair darker. As we age, the hair loses this pigment which is why it goes grey. Another thing that changes the way hair looks is the shape of the follicle. Round follicles make straight hair. Oval follicles make hair wavy.
1: So that's the lowdown on hair. And my body has a lovely head of wavy brown hair. Now to add some nice nails. Not the sort you bang into wood with a hammer. The ones on your fingers and toes. How could you scratch an itch or peel a sticker without them? Over to you, Nurse!
2: Nails are made of keratin too, the same protein that your hair is made from, and they grow in a similar way to hair. They grow from the root, which is underneath the skin at the bottom of each nail. The new cells push the old ones out. So like the hair you can see, nails are made of dead cells, which is why it doesn't hurt when you snip them. The nails on your fingers sit on nail beds, which are served with blood vessels. That's what makes healthy nails nice and pink At the bottom of the nail, where it meets the skin, is a rim called the cuticle Sometimes you can see a pale half circle on the nail This is called the lunula, from the word for moon Nails grow very slowly, about 3 millimeters a month Which is good reason not to bite them You'll have to wait a long time to get them back
1: That's right, naughty nail nibblers. It makes sense to keep your nails short and neat anyway, and if they're tidy, you won't be tempted to bite them. You could be eating germs and harming your fingertips. Now to file my body's natty new nails. Looking good. It can be fun to use nail files and give yourself a manicure, but don't use nail varnishes unless an adult says it's okay. They're normally just for grown-ups as they contain a lot of chemicals. Horrible old anatomy fact Orybaceous was a doctor from the 3rd
2: century And he put together all sorts of concoctions to help people who had lost their hair One treatment he used was to heat up candlebacks, tar and glue And used this sticky stuff to painstakingly attach each hair back onto the head To help grow new hair, another concoction he invented was goat dung, roasted in oil on a
1: smooth seashell. Yuck! Now I don't think the goat dung remedy caught on. Although interestingly, hair extensions today are glued onto the existing hair with a type of glue, so he was on the right lines there.
2: Disgusting detail. The lady with the longest nails in the world was Lee Redmond from the United States. She didn't cut her nails from 1979, and by 2009 they were over two foot long each. A total length of seven metres, 51.3 centimetres. Unfortunately, she broke them in a car crash in that year, so lost the record. But no one has bettered it yet. The longest hair in the world belongs to a lady called Xi Quiping from China and it's an amazing 18 feet, 5 inches long. That's over 5 metres.
1: It must be difficult to brush hair that long. She'd need a brush on a stick. My body's hair and nails are nice and neat and short. Easier to keep clean and tidy that way if you ask me. Right, my body has lovely neat nails and a brilliant marnet on his bonds. Let's zap it together and let the lightning loose <laughs> Terrific success! He's shaking out his hair and flexing his fingers I think he likes it That's my work done for today Next time we'll be getting things pumping with a heart and blood for this body Hope you can join us then
2: You can find out more about the Professor and his body at the Fun Kids website, funkidslive.com.
1: Professor Halleck's Builds a Body is produced by Fun Kids with support from the Wellcome Trust.
0: Let's get to your questions then I love this part of the show It's when you send in anything sciencey That you, you can't quite figure out That you can't understand That you're having a problem with You leave it as a review for us Over on Apple Podcasts Then I do all the digging I work it out for you First up this week We've got Keo who is nine Who wants to know What are clouds made of? Keo, clouds are just clumps of water droplets You see water exists in three different forms It can be a solid, like ice. It can be a gas, as water vapour. And water can be a liquid, which is, well, water. Now, when water gets hot, it turns into a gas. It becomes that water vapour. And when it's been out in the sun all day, that's what happens. It becomes a gas, and then it rises up through the sky. When it gets higher, it gets colder. And then it turns into little droplets of water, which clump together and when more and more of these water droplets clump together, that's what you see as a cloud. And when more and more of them clump together, uh, they get heavy, they get thick, and they burst, which is why it rains. Thank you for the question, Keo. Uh, also this week, uh, b- by the way, very quickly, loads of reviews coming in, uh, just congratulating us on winning the Best Podcast in the universe Award for the second time. If that's you, if you've sent that kind message, thank you very much. Another question is from Emily, who wants to know, how do ears work? Ears do two things, really. They help you listen and they help you keep balance. Now, in your ear, you have an eardrum. When sound makes a... Well, a sound, it makes the air vibrate. And then that ear hits the drum, which makes it wobble about and vibrate too. You've got sensors and nerves in your ear, which tell what the noise is from how much your eardrum is vibrating it sends a signal to your brain. There's also a liquid in your ear and it sloshes from side to side and that lets your brain know if you're moving, if you're tilting or if you're unbalanced. And when you're getting car sick, it's because what well, your ear's telling you, the water sloshing around, that's different from what your eyes are seeing. But that's how your ears work. Emily, thank you for the question. Uh, if you've got something science-y that you want answered on the show next week, you need to leave it as a review for me over on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> it's the fun kid science weekly uh, we're back with uh, a kind of friend of the show now a fellow podcaster who beat us to an award back in the summer but i'm not going to mention that after this uh, maddie Mo off the telly from her incredible podcast maddie sound explorers she's done let's go live as well you might have seen her online on the stage she's got a brand new book out it's called stuff eco stories of everyday stuff and she joins us now maddie hello
3: how are you, Dan?
0: I'm very, very well. Uh, yeah, you beat us to an award back in uh, at the British Podcast Awards. Oh, so.
3: well, I think you guys are fantastic. So you know, winners all round, I say.
0: <laughs> well, I would say because I don't know if you know, Maddie, but we actually won the um, the best podcast in the history of the universe award. So
3: oh, I oh, did you? Okay, yeah. all right. Well, maybe I have to put, put myself forward for that one
0: next year then. No, no, don't, oh. don't, don't, don't. You've already <laughs> beaten on it. Don't listen the um this new book is it's stuff Mm. which is pretty big there's a lot of stuff out there where did you you start when thinking of ideas for things you could write about
3: so i have always loved finding out how things are made and that's something that i've been doing on the telly with a show on cbb's called do you know for a long time but all of those um everything I've, I've, i've I visited and found out for that particular show has been based in the UK, but it was on my travel sort of like my own holidays and adventures that I started finding different stories, stories that I found really interesting, unique creative about the way things were being made all over the world and um, In just just ways that I guess just sparked my curiosity. And it all started uh, when I was on holiday in Thailand. I ended up at this small factory because I do do like to find out what sort of stuff is being made in an area when I travel there because I genuinely do find it interesting. And I discovered this small factory that were making paper, but they were making paper not out of wood, but from elephant poo. And I thought, what on earth is going here? Now that's a story and that would be a great YouTube video. So I ended up making a YouTube video about how paper can be made from elephant poo. And turns out it was, not only was it sort of making an everyday ordinary object kind of extraordinary, it was an amazing, sustainable eco story as well. And I thought, right, that is what I want to write about. I want to find more stories like this and turn that into a book.
0: Just on elephant poo paper, you're thinking how do they make this but where do you start researching is it when you're in thailand you're asking around is it that well, thing through books
3: that was where i was um sort of doing a bit of bit of research before the holiday and i was thinking oh i wonder what um what kind of things grow in thailand because i was thinking oh, it would be really interesting to maybe visit some farms and it was in doing that research i discovered this this small factory and sort of place that you can go and visit it was the, the elephant poo poo paper park it's called. Um, and I thought, oh, now that's a cool story. And I and it, I w- I went there with the intention of making a YouTube video because I thought it would be fascinating. Um, I didn't realise it would then become the inspiration for, um, for a book. But actually it turns out that there'd been lots of similar stories that I'd sort of accidentally been gathering that were all sort of along the same kind of lines and it wasn't until i sort of put them all together and i thought oh hang on a second there's a theme here um and that's and that's when the book idea came about
0: let's just run through uh, (laughs) a few more of what you found out that's in stuff uh, I'm, I'm leafing through it right now. Okay. Uh, tell, us about, tell us about fog catchers that we would find high up in Lima in Peru.
3: Okay, so this is, I, I find this story quite magical. Uh, but really, it's just science and the water cycle. But high up in the mountains in Lima... Peru. Uh, It's a desert landscape, which means they hardly get any rainfall at all. It's extremely high up. Um, And sadly, some of the people that live in these communities high in the mountains, they're quite poor communities and they don't have access to running water. So they don't have taps in their house. And getting water up that high in the mountains is really difficult. So stores are precious and can run quite low. But some people worked out that they could make the most of the fog, which is the low, misty cloud that would hang over the mountains in the morning. So they started hanging these giant nets. Imagine uh, volleyball nets for giants like that. <laughs> they would hang them high up and the mesh nets, the material, would actually catch some of the fog and would then catch those little water droplets and allow the droplets to fall down into tanks of water. So these people and this technique became known as fog catching. But what they're actually doing is just fishing water out of the sky. And then they were able to purify this water and turn it into drinking water. And it meant that they had another store of water that wasn't having to come up the mountains in lorries and trucks.
0: There's also something I've seen which I can't believe I've never thought about this before when something (laughs) breaks in space of course, you've got to fix it. You can't be sending up tiny little parts; that would be a waste of rockets mm-hmm. and it would be a waste of energy. So they they print things in space. Maddie, can you tell us more?
3: Well, this is a fairly new technique. It's something that's still being researched now. But yeah, one of the problems with space travel, particularly if you look to the future where humans may be going to Mars, um, you need to find a way to be able to fix and make things and update equipment on board the 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 space vehicle that you're travelling in. So they've introduced three D printers. Now we have three D printers uh, on Earth. The idea is that you feed some type of plastic filament. It's just like a Imagine spaghetti, but made out of plastic. It goes into a machine and then it gets heated up and then it can be squeezed out. And then when you add layer upon layer upon layer upon layer, you're able to make a 3D object. And 3D printers have now been designed to work in space so that if someone on board a spaceship needs a certain type of tool, they can just download the instructions to the 3D printer And print it there and then. But what's really exciting is that they're now designing machines that will take 3D printed items and break them down and turn them back into filament, so you can keep remaking new stuff whenever you need it.
0: Proper recycling, all the way around, all the way around the cycle. Uh, Listen, if you've if you've enjoyed just a few of those stories, there are only two there. There are loads more in the book. It's called Stuff. Uh, It's by Maddie Mo. Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Dan. It's time for this week's Dangerous Dan, which is all about the sheep's head fish. Now, it's found in the Atlantic Ocean, up and down the east coast of the Americas, so everywhere from kind of Brazil all the way up to Canada. And it's quite a big fish. It can grow to a metre. It can weigh 10 kilograms. They're not one particular colour. They can be black and white. They can be bright. They can be dark. They can be stripy. They've got two eyes boggling out of their head. They look like so many other fish, apart from one thing, apart from one terrifying thing. They've got teeth and their teeth are just like ours, just like your teeth, just like my teeth. They are not fish teeth, they're human teeth. The sheep's head fish has got fully grown adult sized human teeth. Now, there's no need for you to go online and look up a picture of this. You can just use your imagination. It's a fish with a full set of adult teeth. Have you ever seen those cartoons when an animal accidentally puts in, like, their nan's dentures, their fake teeth? That's what it looks like. These thick, these stubby teeth. It's got a mouth full of them. They're used to crush prey that swim past. It's a terrifying sight. And it's these big chompers with a mouth like a ram that makes it named the Sheep's Head Fish and gets it its place on our Dangerous Dan list time to catch up with one of our favourite geniuses on the show. She answers loads of your gadget questions. This is Techno Mum.
2: Techno Mum, engineering explorers.
4: I'm addicted to funny videos. Even if it's just animals doing derpy things. Sometimes I laugh so much it actually hurts. (laughs) Mum,
5: you've got to see this one. You've left all the lights on downstairs. That's a real waste of energy. We do have to pay for the electricity, you know. Sorry. Hey, imagine
4: if we could capture the energy from laughing. I'd be able to pay the bill easily after watching just a few of these videos. That's a good idea. It's the sort of thinking energy engineers use to solve problems. Energy engineers? Are they like engineers who are really energetic?
5: Ha ha, very funny. No, they're a type of engineer who work to find new ways to generate energy or to conserve it imagine you've got a massive factory making video game consoles it's the size of a football pitch and the machines have to run 24 hours a day to make enough consoles for all the orders now how big do you think their electricity bill would be pretty completely enormous power is needed to make the machinery work and workers need lighting and heat in order to do their job safely an energy engineer might help the factory owner to come up with ways to use less energy and keep costs down and to help the environment that's right so if you're an engineer trying to come up with solutions, what might you do? Um...
4: I'd have a good look around and take readings of how much power was being used by what and when. I suppose the lighting would be used more at night and there'd be more heating in winter. That's right.
5: And we can't get rid of night time or winter. But engineers might be able to suggest using light fittings that are more energy efficient and insulating the factory so that less heat escapes. And they could have sensors on the light so that they turn off in areas when people aren't there. That's a terrific idea. Those would come in handy in our house too. Energy engineers need to understand about all types of energy and How machines and buildings use it. They'll be taking measurements of items or places or using computer programs to figure out what changes could be made to improve the energy efficiency. Another type of energy engineers will be working on is improving and finding new ways to create power. Check out this video Windmills they're so cool. Windmills or wind turbines are becoming a very popular way to generate electricity and cause less harm to the environment than fossil fuels. Now whilst the biggest ones in the UK are about 200 feet high, scientists in America are working to create one that's over 1600 feet high. That's half a kilometre. Whoa. Impressive, right? The larger a turbine is, the more powerful and efficient it is. So the thinking is that bigger will definitely be better. New technology is needed to make the blaze both strong and able to bend in the strong winds you find out at sea. I'd love to see it. How cool would that be? Very. It's just one of many cool engineering jobs out there.
4: Imagine a turbine so big it created enough energy for the whole world and imagine if every light bulb was super efficient. It wouldn't matter if
5: I left them on all day. Nice try. Wasting energy is never a good idea so switch them off. All right.
1: engineering explorers created with support from the institution of engineering
2: and technology to celebrate the year of engineering find out more at technomonth.
0: it's time for this week's science in the news the uk supermarket morrisons is going to feed cows seaweed to cut down burps and farts Now, we've heard about this, especially over COP26. Cow farts have methane in it. It's a very bad gas for the environment. It keeps the air in, it makes it get hotter, and it contributes to the climate crisis. Uh, So Morrison's the supermarket. They're feeding their cows seaweed to try and stop the farts, really. Also, the new James Webb Space Telescope is getting two weeks of terror. It's a huge telescope. It'll try to see the very first stars that are in the universe. And it's massive, massive. But with so many little bits of tech and materials on there that could all go wrong, it could break, it could tear and snap. The experts, they're going to fold it up, put it in a rocket, fire it into orbit, and then it'll unfurl again. But it could tear. It could break. It's an important time for the telescope. And finally this week, the COP26 climate meeting is drawing to an end. Big talk from leaders all around the world has happened recently over the last 12 days up in Glasgow, promising carbon cuts, grand plans to reduce energy and innovative ideas. But now the question is, will it happen? There have been 25 other climate meetings before this. Now is the time to prove that they want to save the world. And that is it for this week's Fun Kids Science Weekly. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you've got something science-y that you'd like answered next week on the show, or you'd love to give your congratulations for the two-time best podcast in the history of the universe award winner, us, leave it as a review for me on Apple Podcasts. Uh, While you're there, you can hear so many brilliant podcasts that we do on so many different subjects. There's science, there's geography, there's history, loads going on. It's also on the free Fun Kids app and at funkidslive.com. And Fun Kids, we are a children's radio station in the UK. You can listen to us on your DAB digital radio on that free Fun Kids app and at funkidslive.com.